Welcome back to everyone's favorite podcast, Caring Too Much. Uh, this week, you've waited. You've heard me talk about it so many times. We've gotten to the famed Longos Sucks episode. There will be other parts, but I'm not going to delay any longer because I've got lots of rants to give. So let's dive right in. So for those of you who have somehow missed our references to this Longos episode um, in pre pretty much every one of our past episodes, um, we are going to be talking about the Longos right near my apartment. Uh, so this is the Longos that I habitually go to to shop for groceries. And it is also the Longos that one day uh, when, when David was coming by, for some macaroni and cheese they homemade macaroni and cheese oh, yes yes this is important uh we we were missing out on some pasta and some cheese which are important for macaroni and cheese um so so i thought it would be a great idea to ask david to stop by the longos on the way over it's right there it's on the way and where better to get uh, pasta and cheese than a grocery store and um and david's experience in this long goes I'll, I'll let you tell it david it's a formative experience for me uh 100 when i think when i'm like 80 i mean if i'm 80 years old one day uh climate change and all the other things um they don't get to me first i will think back on like what are the events of my life you know that made me who i am and absolutely one of those core foundational memories is going to be getting so lost in a longos because it was just it like I used to. So I I'm like, I honestly, I don't really know like how to classify myself because like I didn't I don't I'm not aware of what my parents finances were, you know, at all points growing up. But I would have always said compared to the people I was around, I always said I was like lower middle class. And so as, as a lower middle class family, you know, my mom, we didn't have a, a nanny or anything like that. So I went grocery shopping with my mom every week, sometimes twice a week. And I, I, I loved it. I was excited to do it. I would, my mom would give me like, you know, she would go into aisle two and she'd be like, here's what I need from aisle three, you and your sister go get it or whatever. Great. Fun times. I was like, this is so great. I'm an adult. And so I've been, I've been at I've been shopping in supermarkets, uh, you know, cause this wasn't like some local store that was, was small. Like, you know, it was like, I lived in the suburbs. It was a Fortino's or a, I think sometimes we even went to the Longos, but not always cause it's more expensive and, you know, lower middle-class. Um, but the point is I've been in many grocery stores in the suburbs, um, in like the middle of nowhere grocery stores, like, uh, on trips that I've been on, um, and downtown I've lived downtown for seven years. Um, when I first moved downtown, I had a no frills that was like visible from my house blessing. Like it would, no frills. I'm, I'm so jealous of your no frills. One of the things that I, I miss the most about living at my parents' house is the no frills. If I could snap my fingers and replace the longos with the no frills, oh, I, I wouldn't even think about it. You'd be better off if you replace that longos with a dump. I'll just say that. So <laughs> anything is better than what it currently is. Um, but yeah, no. So I, you know, I've lots, lots of different experiences. I've been in a million grocery stores. 
I have never once been like, you know, and, and so, and actually my, my current grocery store is the Loblaws that is in the like old Maple Leaf gardens. It's huge. Like, I think it's probably the biggest grocery store I've ever been in. I don't get lost in there. It makes sense the way that things are laid out. I've never gotten lost in any grocery store before. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know where this is, but it takes me a minute or two to find it. Cause like, that's how grocery stores work. It should be easy to find your food, you'd think. But no, let me tell you about this Longos. Let me, let me paint a picture. So as, as Alex explained, I am naively thinking, why would I buy these supplies and then walk the 20, 25 minutes all the way to Alex's place when I could walk 25 minutes, get the supplies a minute away from their place, and then just basically walk upstairs with them? That's what I thought. I would have ran a marathon with a whole ass wheel of cheese before going to that Longos again. Oh my God. I walk in first. It's like, there isn't really an entrance and like Alex will know what I mean. Like, cause the entrance to it is just like an escalator because it's part of like the podium or whatever you call it of like a big condo building. So yeah, like it's, it's an in indoor the, mall. Yeah. And the longest is kind of sunk into the, the basement area of, of the shopping center portion of this building. Yeah. Like imagine, like imagine a mall. And actually, if you've been to the Eaton center in Toronto, it's, it's very similar to the way that the food court is like, you don't like you go down the escalator and it's like, you're in the food court. Like you are at a store, like a foods, like there's food right in front of you. Like it was very much, it's very much like that. You are going down the escalator into the whole basement, which is all the Longos. And I, so I, immediately I walk into the building and I was like, Oh, like, where's the Longos? Like, cause I, you know, I'm looking for a giant, you know, entryway with a bunch of cash registers that says Longos. And I'm like, Oh no, it's okay. Follow the sign downstairs. So already I'm like, this is a little, little different than, than my experiences, but, um, I go in and again, we're making Mac and cheese. It's nothing it, like it's the most basic grocery things you look for, like pasta, milk, and cheese. Cause pasta is going to be in the bread aisle, bread, milk, and cheese. That's like what every stereotypical grocery list has like in a cartoon, it's like, those are the three things that and eggs, eggs, I guess would have made it like the quintessential grocery list. But my point is they're, they're very simple things that people probably buy every day. And, um, I don't know how long I actually was in there because it's not like I was timing myself, but I remember, you know, texting Alex being like, Oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'm just going into the longos be there in a minute. And then it felt like an hour later, I finally was free from longos. I spent so much time like looking around for these things and it's like some things it's like, obviously it's just like, you know, an unfamiliar layout and that's the majority of the confusion. And it's, you know, because of the situation geographically that this Longos is in, it's a very tight space, probably a very weird space in the basement. So the shelves are not, you know, in lines after each other. It's like, they go in L shapes and then one is like in a U and then there's shelves on the other side of the cash registers. So like, I didn't think to go outside of the, what I thought was outside of the store. The cash registers are in the middle of the store. Okay. <laughs> so very confused finding the things, but even after I started to find things, things weren't there. 
Like I found the soy milk, but was the like cow's milk near that? No. What? But what store keeps the milk in two different places? That is, they both need the fridge. You'd think they would just both be in a fridge together, side by side, like every other grocery store I've ever been in. And this wasn't like, oh, one was specifically on sale. It was like they kept the, is it organic milks? Is that like the, the way to refer to like oat milk and soy milk and stuff? Um, alternative milks, maybe Alternative milks. milks. Yeah. Because so there the is al- organic milk at Longo's. It is also hard to find the regular milk from the organic milk. And I know organic, like there's always the organic section. So like that would make, that makes sense if like the organic milk is not with the rest of the milk, but the milk, yeah, the milk substitutes that are like always with the milk were not there. And then the cheeses were in multiple different places. So I found, I was like, oh, I found the cheese. No, no, I found some of the cheese. And then I had to go, I had to keep looking for the rest of the cheese. And it was just, it was such a, bad experience because i was like in my head i was like i'm going into a longos i've been into several longos before they're all the same every grocery store is the same you know um and i was like i'm going in i'm grabbing milk and cheese and pasta that's it it's gonna be five seconds in and out also because like pandemic this is pandemic time so i was like i don't want to waste i don't want to spend tons of time in the you know any public space right now and it was just so awful and um I think that they should apologize. Um, And also I think they should do better because aside from the, all of the frustration that I felt, I was like, as I was lost out of my mind in this place, I was like, this has to be bad for business. I would assume like if things are not like things are logically not with the other things that like, and I'm not saying the milk wasn't by the cheese, the milk wasn't by the milk. What and is also that? not by the cheese. I want to. I want to be clear. Yeah, no, <laughs> not by either cheese <laughs> section. No, and it's it, it's like, and again, it wasn't like, oh, I saw one sale rack that was you know on display. Like it was just because of the layout of the store, nothing could be near anything that made sense. And so I know that obviously they didn't choose to arrange the store this way, but someone chose to put that Longos in that space. And was like, yeah, this will do. And I'm like, it's not doing, quite frankly. I think you need to expand the basement a little bit more because it's also very tiny. Like it's, I don't surprisingly labyrinthine for a for a small space. Exactly. Like that. That was the other thing because as you're coming down the the escalator, I can kind of see the whole place, and I'm like, oh yeah, like there's not much to this place. It was awful. It was just so awful, and. um but yeah, like I was saying, like it has to be bad for business that like you can't find stuff that easily. Like, and, and I don't know, I, I can't imagine trying to like if I was a family, like you know, because when my mom goes grocery shopping, she like makes a list. Whereas when I go grocery shopping, I walk in, pick up as much as I want, and then leave. But if I was like planning meals for a family, I can't imagine trying to plan out like I'd be. I'd probably spend five hours in that grocery store trying to get everything that I need. Cause I'd be like, Oh, got to go over here to get this. And then I have to go all the way back and I'd get lost. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I really hated it. Yeah. It may actually be less bad for business than you would think, but we're going to discuss that a little bit later. So make sure you yes. stay tuned to hear my, my, my theories about the real <laughs> evil lurking under the surface of this long ghost. 
Yes. And so uh, the Alex brought up a, a good comparison when we were talking about this episode. Um, if you've ever been in the path in the city of Toronto um, for the first time without someone to walk you through it, it was exactly that experience, except the path stretches the entire downtown core. So it's like somewhat acceptable to get lost in it. I was in, I don't know, a couple, couple hundred square feet space. Couple, I don't know how square feet. Probably a probably couple thousand, thousand feet. It's, but it's, it's not like a big grocery store. I would say it's at most a medium sized grocery store for downtown. Um, and funnily and, enough, yeah, I was this, just so this, lost. Yeah. This particular Longos is actually connected to the path. Um, and for those of you who haven't been in the path, it's a very small illustration. Walking from my apartment to Union Station on foot takes above five to seven minutes. Above ground on foot takes five to seven minutes. Um, my building is also path connected. The route to Union Station from my building through the path goes through the Longos, actually, which is how I know uh, that the Longos is part of the path. But um, that 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 one takes about half an hour. It is a straight line. There's no there's no other branches of the path you can go off or right at the end. And this five minute walk takes half an hour if you do it through the path. So imagine imagine that, but with your grocery store. And that's what the Longos is. Yeah, it, it was just a completely like. Because obviously I've been in a grocery store or any store, really, where I've been a little bit like, oh, wait, where's the checkout? Specifically, those stores that don't have their checkouts like all in one place and they're scattered throughout the store. Hate that. Um, but it was like the level to which that this long goes is confusing. I am certain that there is an aspect of intentional like it 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 has to have been intentionally designed to be confusing which i know alex has thoughts about <laughs> Indeed. Um, but um be before that uh david you know you've mentioned some other downtown grocery stores a couple a couple of times in this process of explaining the inexplicable <laughs> longos um and I, I i think you had a bit to say on that topic too right yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we were like, we can't just make like a 40 minute episode complaining about longos. That's incredibly uh, one uh, specific longos. <laughs> incredibly not relatable or helpful for anyone. Um, we, we wanted to start off with the image of me. Like I was I was near tears, quite frank. Like it was it was a lot. Um, but no, in general, downtown grocery shopping is just so much worse than anywhere else. Um, and, you know, obviously I said in my, the start of my ranch, like I've been grocery shopping with my mom for years, like since I can remember, like, and I'm sure since before I could remember, she was bringing me in the cart as a baby. Um, downtown supermarkets are so much more expensive. And I know that there's a logical explanation for that like things cost more downtown, like it costs more to have a big space downtown that you can fit, but it is so much more expensive downtown, like to buy any sort of groceries. And it's like, what I will do is I will, if I know my mom, so my mom 
lives in the suburbs where I grew up and, but works downtown. So if I know my mom is, you know, working in two days, I will text her and be like, are you going grocery shopping in the next two days? Because here are a couple of things that I want to buy. And like, I will like give her the money to buy it in the suburbs and then bring it to me because it saves me a noticeable amount of money. And, um, the suburb, like the suburb I'm talking about is not far. It's Vaughn, which is literally its tagline is the city above Toronto. Like it is the next thing that borders Toronto. So it's not like we're talking with Sega beach or I don't know, Timmins, Ontario is where I'm, which at that point we'd be getting into like pricing for Northern communities, which is even worse. Um, but it's just, it's just so wild to me that like when you, like, I, I get it that there's that logical thing that's like, oh, well, it costs more to rent a place downtown, but also there have to be more customers downtown buying things. So I don't believe that they have to charge more for these things downtown. I just believe that they can get away with it because there are very, very few uh, shopping like places to shop for groceries downtown, unless you're like the only place where I'd say that's an exception, like at large, other than like maybe one or two places here and there is in like Kensington market in the Chinatown area, because there are so many markets where you can get food over there, but anywhere else in the city where you're talking, like there's condos and apartment buildings and stuff, your options are like Longo's Metro. Um, I don't even know. Those are the only two I can think of. Oh, uh, I have, I have a little bit more variety down here. I mean, I don't, I don't have a Metro anywhere nearby, uh, which to be honest, I, I, I would take a Metro over anything I have locally. I have the Longos, uh, which is, which is my closest option. Then there is a, Oh, Loblaws. Oh, Loblaws, of course. Loblaws uh, is the other one. I, I also have a farm boy pretty nearby, which I had not heard of until I moved down here. Um, and bougie something something by sobeys it's not a sobeys it's like the the it's like you know city market by i think is that loblaws it's like they're they're like smaller brand that is like specifically to do things in smaller places because like sobeys stores are the size of a spaceship Exactly. So some like Sobeys spinoff, which uh, manages to to hit a higher price point than Sobeys. Um, so yeah, the, the the options are very. Even when they are not limited on paper, your options if you're trying to shop on a budget are extremely limited. It's not an affordable part of the city to get groceries. Well, and, and I mean the thing that I think I would say is like. Those things that you all listed, I I believe I've been in at least one of the each of those stores, not necessarily the ones near you, but they're all the same. Like Loblaws, like, yes, there are slight differences in terms of like when things might be available or 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 yes, some of the brands that are are all like that you can buy. But by and large, all of those big chains are the same thing. Like they're all buying the same. Uh, from the same suppliers and whatever. And so it's all very similarly priced and they have to be similarly priced because if Loblaws was charging $3 more for something that the Sobeys down the street can, you know, or the the city market or whatever, whatever those places are called has for significantly cheaper, even though it's the exact same item they're going to lose. So like all of those big chains keep their stuff 
you know, relatively close to the others. But the and- similar pricing, I, I just want to point out, isn't just a function of um, what what some might call healthy free market competition. It's 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 often a very deliberate backdoor tactic to make sure prices stay high. Backroom, I should say. Uh, tactic to make sure prices stay high. If any of you got uh, your your little gift card from I don't remember which retailer for their Loblaws. twenty oh Loblaws, yeah, from their for their twenty year um, bread price fixing scandal, I, I I I'm not convinced that bread is the only thing that's ever been price fixed in grocery stores. Well, so that was when that scandal broke. I was like, I didn't think that was illegal because they do that for everything so obviously like how does every single gas station change their price to the exact same price at the exact same time midnight every day changes to the same price every brand how is it that everything like you know and because they're all owned by the same place so when like or, or in in one way or another everything is owned by the same thing or in in some way like like At I least was they saying, talk to each other if they're not. Or they're talking to each other, but like, you know, they're all buying their bread from the same place. So even if Loblaws is not fixing the price, the place that is supplying every chain with their bread, for example, is deciding the price at every single chain that we have available to us. Like whether it's intentional, illegal price fixing, or it's just the price is being decided by one person, which to me is the exact same thing, but whatever it's, it's, yeah, it's all like, I I don't understand anyone who argues that there's a free market. Like I think in theory, there could be a free market, but I do not think in practice that I've in my life, I don't think I've ever lived in any free market. Um, The problem, the problem you run into with the idea of a free market is when you're talking about essential goods like groceries, or to to an extent, um, gas as well. You know, if you need to commute to work, you need a, a lot of times you need a car. Um, and if you're talking about an essential good, consumers really don't have the ability to vote with their dollar. If you think that your grocery store and the grocery store down the street and the other grocery store in the next neighborhood are fixing prices. You can't just go on strike from buying groceries or you'll starve. Um, so it, it, it becomes a real issue where consumers are being extorted almost, or there is the potential to extort consumer for legal reasons. I'm not uh, accusing any, any grocery stores of we would never your blackmail. <laughs> Especially when they've been previously caught doing it, we would never dream of accusing them of uh, doing the same thing again. But like that, that for me is where even if we did see free market operation in other sectors, which I would argue we don't, um, it, it's, it's not possible in essential sectors to have a free market that functions freely because you have your customers over a barrel and they can't walk away from you no matter what you do. And I think that's especially exacerbated by the fact that these, you know, Loblaws owns like a huge percentage of the number of grocery stores in Canada under various different names. 
Um, and so because of this monopoly that these few companies have, there's no way for like, you know, I have to imagine from a business perspective, opening up an independent grocery store is probably like the worst idea, right? Because food goes bad. So like you're working with, uh, it's not like you can hold on to stuff forever. Um, and it's not like you could just sell pantry items. Cause then who is going to come shop at your place if you don't have any meat or fruit or vegetables? Like, so all of these things, uh, combined, you know, makes it very, um, yeah, like like you were saying, like it's it's just it, it doesn't make sense to say like, oh, well, if they would just go somewhere else, like, well, no, where are they going to go like to, to the other? Oh, they'll go from Loblaws to the city market. Surprise, city markets owned by Loblaws. You know, it's like monopoly. The, the fact that it's very close to a monopoly and the fact that there is very clearly in well it's a fact that in the past there's been price fixing. And from my non-professional perspective, it certainly looks like there's some sort of communication because all the prices are very, very similar. So even if the price fixing is one company always just follows the others, like, you know, one company sets the price and the others all follow, even if they're not actually communicating that to themselves, it's the same end result for me as a person going to the grocery store, right? Like all of the stores are offering me basically the same thing. And all of them, like I said, you know, compared to the prices that they are in the suburbs where my mom shops, they're certainly inflating the prices a decent amount downtown. Um, and I, again, I don't think like the number of people that are in the Loblaws every time, unless I go right at closing, it is ridiculous. Like they have to be making more money because they are a downtown. They are downtown. There's so many people. So I do not believe that they need to be raising their prices just to be able to operate downtown. I, that does not, that does not check out to me. Um, so yeah, they just, they just have this complete control over the whole situation. And on top of that, they lay out their grocery stores in the worst possible way. Longos, not only are you <laughs> scamming me, you've made me get lost in a grocery store. Embarrassing. So if, uh, if, if you'd finally like to hear my, my ideas about why exactly this long goes makes you get lost in the grocery store. I want um, to be able to blame them for the conscious decision they made to ruin my day that time. I want to know. I've, uh, I've done some research. I've got some citations. They're in APA format. Um, and, and I have developed a theory about what's going what is going on uh with that longest now this this hasn't been like a comprehensive literature review so please don't expect too too much uh from me i have a full-time <laughs> full, full-time class load for which i also have to do uh literature reviews so didn't didn't have the whole week to dedicate to this one um but there is a body of literature on retail and more specifically grocery store um, layouts from a retailer perspective. So there's a couple of directions that, that people take. Um, there's, there's one paper I read, uh, Kusaksi and Caesar, I believe, um, which, which suggests that the optimal way for a grocery store to operate is to create a simple path through the supermarket 
which exposes to consume which exposes consumers to as many items that they want and services that they want as possible and to make it as easy as possible to find things in the grocery store so you have a good time in your grocery store you buy things you want to come back this is clearly not not what's going on with longos um, however however it does raise the question of how do grocery stores know what items consumers want to buy and i mean the answer to this is quite easy when you buy things you take them to the checkout and the grocery store can collect all of that data at the checkout to find what you buy and they also can do something called association rules mining which is a form of data mining that takes all of that aggregated checkout data and maps which items are commonly bought together. Uh, so you form a map of the associations between different items. So if lots of people go into the store and buy milk and eggs together, if you wanna, if you wanna build an easy to navigate grocery store, you put the milk and the eggs next to each other because people commonly buy them together. However, however, there is also a direction in the literature which suggests that you want to do the exact opposite of that. Um, I, I, have, I have a couple of papers that, that I skimmed. Um, Jewel Jacobson, who, who argued for, like, you know how, how the layouts in grocery stores are very grid shaped? Uh, so Jewel Jacobson was arguing for grocery stores to not do that because if you make the layouts less regular and less grid shaped, it's harder for consumers to navigate through the store. And because of that, they spend longer in the store and they go through more aisles on their way to find things. And that means they are more likely to see things that they didn't know they needed or just that they see and they suddenly want and make what's, uh, what's, what's called technically impulse purchases. Um, and this, this is reflected in a bunch of other papers. Uh, Guthrie and Parikh go through the idea that grocery stores should actually stick to the grid, but not to make it easier because your visual exposure to items uh, makes you impulse purchase more items. So the more stuff you see in the grocery store, the more stuff you impulse buy. Um, and that's why some stores like this Longo's actually have wide aisles with clear lines of sight. So even if you don't know where anything is, as you are doing your best to find it, you're seeing all of the, the stuff they have on offer. Oh boy, um, did I see everything in that store 50 times over. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a paper by Doris Mand actually hits on this, this exact idea that by lengthening the average path through the supermarket by using that mind association rules data to place desired items far away from each other uh, along a specific path, um, retailers can make consumers spend more time in the supermarket. And along that path at periodic intervals, they can place items or like advertising stands, which are likely to trigger impulse purchases. So with, with all of this in mind, 
let me take you through a little, a little audio tour of my nearby longos. Um, and keep in mind, if you, if you go there to check, this may not be perfect. Um, despite the fact that I have been going there weekly for more than a year, I also get lost in it. I don't have a perfect map of the layout. But so you're, you're, you're entering the longos, you're coming down the elevator, you see the whole store spread out in front of you, but there's barriers in place. You can't go straight in any direction you want. Uh, first, you go forward to the fruit and vegetables section. And right as you're hitting fruit and vegetables, there's a little stand set up with, uh, I don't know, like weekly sales, monthly sales. There's often cheeses there, some fruits, pies, you know, whipped cream, maple syrup. It's sometimes seasonal, lots of fun, very easy place to pick up a, a little cheese plate or pick up a little, a little pumpkin pie. Well, now I'm hungry. <laughs> so, so you've made your first potential impulse purchase at this long goes you continue through the fruits and vegetables section. And as you're going up and down the, the little produce aisles, you see the beer and wine section right next to uh, the, the, the produce. So if you are, uh, an of age beer and or wine drinker, and you feel like you maybe want a cup of something with dinner, can stop by, pick up a bottle. There's your second potential impulse purchase of your Longos trip, and we're not even out of the produce section. Um, to, to get through the produce aisle, you kind of have to go in a loop, which again, make sure that your path through the store is longer. You're walking past all the produce items, not just the ones you want. Uh, and you you come out of that loop into the kind of fish corridor. It's a bit of a corridor. Um, but before you hit the fish, there's a little a little uh, fridge area with some pre-prepared like marinated meats. like think souvlaki, chicken skewers, that kind of thing, like pre-made burger patties. Uh, and this is clever because longos can use it's close to expiry meat items, put some marinades on them, and then repackage them to sell to consumers at what is actually quite a reasonable price for, uh, you know, pre-marinated chicken skewers or whatever, but both gets them a profit on that meat and saves them the cost of having to throw it away. And there's your third potential impulse purchase. Uh, so you walk through you pick up whatever fish you need. Uh, then there's like meat, chicken, so on. And as you are transitioning out of the meat section into the dairy section, you hit the sushi counter. Uh, and there is a sushi counter in the Longos. Uh, it comes with some prepackaged grocery store sushi. Uh, and you can also watch someone making new grocery store sushi at the, at the counter if you're there at the right time of day. Uh, and there is your third potential impulse per not third. What am I talking about? Fourth, fourth. potential impulse purchase. Uh, Just listening goes. to you walk us through this place, I am again lost. Like I like it is when like I I I was I was I muted myself so it wasn't I wasn't laughing over you talking. But when you said oh, and then right beside the milk, there's the sushi counter. I was like, who? Like it's it just seems so preposterous to me. But like I know everything you're saying is obviously, you know, it's backed up by all this research, but it's just like, to me, like this all sounds so awful as a customer. Yeah. Like it just, it's like, 
I get that they're doing this stuff, but I feel like at a certain point, do any of these studies touch upon like a certain amount of confusion in a store starts to, cause I know I, I was going in there with a very specific, like tiny list. So that's why it was like frustrating. Cause I didn't want anything else. I could see how, if I was doing my weekly shopping though, I could be, you know, roped into these impulse purchases, but does the research talk about like at a certain threshold, making your store hard to navigate will start to piss off customers enough that they're not going to buy things. <laughs> it, it, it actually does. Um, there are mentions, you know, in all of these discussions of make your aisles more confusing or, um, you know, scatter key items through the store. There, there, there are mentions of within reason, you know, to an extent kind of thing. But I think that a lot of a lot of what goes on is a reliance on repeat customers to just keep going there through force of habit. Um, and I mean, often if you're, if you're in an area where there's not that many grocery stores around, especially if you're like me and you don't uh, have a car available, you know, I have to walk to my grocery store. And if I didn't have a grocery store in walking distance, I would have to take transit to my grocery store, which would, which would be bad. It would not be a good time. That's Um, never fun. But as it is now, I realistically, I don't have the option of regularly going to a grocery store that's not in walking distance when I have stores that are, uh, especially with the pandemic, I don't want to spend more time on transit than I have to. Absolutely. Um, so there is a degree of a, a captive market there. And as we've discussed, you know, you can't stop buying groceries. But even, even, even when people do have options, I think there's quite a, a force of habit. Um, and I mean, this is all anecdotal, but I'm thinking of my dad who, you know, for as long as I can remember, I, I mean, I wouldn't go with him to my parents' local no frills every time he went, but I, I would go sometimes. I learned how to pack bags very efficiently. It was a, a good life skill to pick up. That was always my favorite thing to, I was always like, I want to pack the bags as fast as the person is scanning the items. That was always my challenge to myself. So that's a great hide to ride. But um, that, that, that no frills near my parents' house has been pretty regularly rearranging the the contents of the store, you know, sometimes I I think occasionally even like moving things closer together to add a new aisle, um, but like adding new stuff, but, but sometimes there's no new stuff added. They just shift things around. And I think my private theory is that this is to keep the customers on their toes. So no one gets too complacent and gets through the grocery store too quickly. Um, See that, that to me seems like a more reasonable application of what this research is saying to do, because I totally get like, yeah, if like their job is to sell things like that, that's what they, they want to sell more things. Obviously that makes total complete sense because that's how capitalism is. And um, unfortunately things like essential food is part of capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But when I was going to, you know, grocery stores with my mom, like, obviously I can't, you know, remember every, like uh, probably the earliest I remember is like being eight or, or seven or something like that. But from, from around that point, the grocery store almost like maybe, maybe once a year would move some things around, but it was like, it was the same grocery store. Like I could go into the, the grocery store that we used to go into 
every week today. And I would still be able to find like 80% of the things I would, I know what I like aisle one, I could list them all out. <laughs> aisle one's the freezer aisle two toilet paper aisle three, like, you know, and, and I know that. And then, and, and, and to me, like, yeah, moving some things around, like, for example, I remember one time at, um, the, the, my, you know, I'll call it my grocery store, the one at near my mom's place though, uh, at, at my grocery store, there was like a, like an alcove or whatever that is like, just, it wasn't an aisle in the grocery store, but it was like a little, you know, section in the wall that you had like some things that were sold there. And I remember it used to be the candy was all there. So like, you know, in a grocery store where they have like the, the big candy things that you like open and like fill a bag with or whatever. Right. Um, and then at, at some point, they switched that out to be like where they keep all the cookware. So like pots and pans and stuff. And like that, to me, that makes sense. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now I have to go to the other end of the store, you know, and Oh, I'm going to see some things on the way, but it's not like, like I literally felt like I was in the labyrinth. I was like the wall, the, the shelves are moving as I walk through this longos. I was like, there is like, <laughs> I need, <laughs> I need like a guide to get me through this. Um, and so I personally, I would say is that your longos has gone too far in the whatever. I'm sure that they have data that shows them that's not the case. Oh, I'm, for- I'm, believe me, I'm not arguing in defensive. <laughs> My, no, my I know, I know. Here. Yeah. Um, no, it's just the, the, the things that drove them to make these decisions. Yeah, the, the reason that I bring up my parents' neutrals really is because as not quite as long as I can remember, but for, for quite a long time, uh, my dad has been like pretty upset about how frequently the neutrals gets rearranged. Um, as he and- should be. I support your dad. You go to a grocery store every week. You would ideally like to be able to find things in it. Um, But despite this, as far as I know, my parents still primarily shop at that no frills instead of the other no frills, which is very slightly further away or the um, metro nearby or the Fortinos. I don't know. There's grocery stores. There's options. The force of habit keeps them going to that no frills even as the frustrations mount up and maybe it won't forever, but it does for now. And that's how, that's how I think that even stores that take it too far, like my longos, um, I mean, I would argue anything is too far. I don't think that they really need the excess profits caused by causing their consumers distress, but, um, but, but I, I think that's how even the, the worst examples continue to, get away with it. And it continues to be a profitable model of business. I think it could be interesting. And I know we're, we're reaching the end of our time, but I think it could be interesting in maybe like 10, 15 years to see if our generation does change, like cause changes these things. Cause to me, like I have absolutely zero brand loyalty. I have absolutely zero, like anything in that sense. Like if, if, if a grocery, like I have, I will literally not buy a or rent a house or condo near that Longos because I'm like, I do not want to ever have to make, I do not ever want that to be my local, my local grocery store. I respect that. Um, but like, you know, if, if, if the Loblaws that I go to, it's my regular, I would say it's my regular grocery store, but if, if it started doing things where I was like, I can't find things or whatever, I would so fast just start going to another store because 
I mean, for me, at least there are for the amount of groceries that I buy at a time, cause I'll go grocery shopping, like kind of for three days at a time, there are four or five grocery stores within walking distance. Um, they're all again, the same, they're essentially the same place reskinned, you know, Metro versus Loblaws <laughs> versus whatever. They're all the same at the end of the day. But I, I wonder if some of this research would find different things, you know, in 15 years when it's like our generation doing the majority of grocery shopping for like families and stuff, because I do think that as a generation, both like, I know it comes out more often in like the workplace of like, Oh, you know, a, a boomer would stay in their job for 50 years, even if they were treated poorly, because that's, that was a belief they had that they're like, no, you stay in your job. Whereas we're like, say one thing kind of wrong to me and I'm quitting. Like, <laughs> so maybe, maybe our generation will, will also apply that energy to things like this. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like the grocery store, you kind of touched on it. in the last thing you were saying, like, because it's an essential place, like, I don't think this kind these shenanigans belong in a grocery store. Like Ikea it, to me is the prime example of a place that has, you know, implemented this sort of research that you were talking about, right. Where Oh my God. You, yeah. The path through an Ikea path. is as long as the Ikea will accommodate. You cannot yeah. get through it any faster. Well, some of them have secret things that you can sneak through, but, but yes, largely the point of it is there is one, like there is one path and you can't even go like straight to the warehouse where you actually buy the things you have to go through everything. But that to me is like, that's fine. Like that's furniture shopping. Furniture shopping is more something where you look around at things and you want to be like, oh, should I get this or that? Whereas like, I don't, I need an apple. I don't need to, you know, like I need a bag of carrots. I need some hamburger Cheese and patties. some pasta like, and some milk. Exactly. Like I don't need to be like, I, I don't know what the word is, but like, I don't need to be analyzed and catered to grocery shopping. I just feel like, and I feel like part of it is, you know, I think we've been interchangeably saying grocery stores and supermarkets, but really this, this applies to supermarkets because they sell so much more than just like your, your average daily grocery needs, right? They have kitchen supplies. They have outdoor furniture at some, like the Loblaws I go to has outdoor furniture. Why? Why? I did not um, know that. Well, I like during the furniture. summer, like they'll sell like, yeah, they'll sell like an umbrella or, you know, cause like downtown, you know, you one shop stop make get everything Wild. in the same place downtown but, i didn't know anyone had an outdoors to furnish but that's another issue more like i think we're thinking of different things like more like, like the, a foldable chair that you would carry with you to the beach kind of furniture oh, that, see, that, see, that sort of thing but it's still furniture being sold at a grocery store um but yeah i think like i don't know i just i would love to you know go down to when i when i my the first place i lived downtown there was like a local butcher and i was not into eating fancy. I didn't want to pay that amount at that point in my life for meat. Cause I was like, this isn't worth it for me at the time, but I would love to live in a place where I can like go to a place that has like, like go to a butcher, go to like a place that, you know, on the street that has the fresh foods and stuff, and then go to a place to get like crackers and pasta and whatever. Um, that, that to uh, me that would actually, be ideal. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, um, shout out to the Roundhouse Park Farmer's Market. If anyone is in oh. the vicinity of Roundhouse Park on a Sunday between 11 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon, uh, the Farmer's Market is not currently running because of COVID, but 
but it runs through the winter year round, uh, subject to, you know, public health allowances. It is in the, <laughs> one of the big, like, uh, railroad docking stations in the winter outdoors in the summer. So great, lovely people, great food. Uh, love that farmer's market to death. I miss it. I would, I, I would tear the lawn goes down brick by brick with my bare hands. If it would, if it would guarantee that I could continue to have a farmer's market like that near me, wherever I live. So here's your, uh, your free advertising roundhouse park farmer's market. Definitely. And, um, I think with that, I mean, I think that's definitely, you know, in our ideal world, we would have more local grocers and more, um, things like that. And I think just overall, the point of this episode obviously was to the fact that I built up to this Longo story for like at least five different episodes, but, um, yeah, just the, the, the state of, you know, the way that I think, I think really what we were, we're, we're touching on vaguely throughout the whole thing is just the way that capitalism has affected, you know, something that should not really be so commodified, which is like the daily food. And I'm not talking about junk food, whatever, but like just the stuff you need to survive every day shouldn't be like all the price fixing, the monopoly that these places have, the fact that they're putting the things you need beside things you don't need to try and trick you, like all that stuff. I give it a big, uh, a big down vote. Uh, I'm, I'm not happy with it. Didn't agree more with you, David. I, I think you put it very eloquently with that sound effect. Thank I you all that... for, uh, for listening to us rant about this Longos for, I don't know how long it's been, uh, but about 42 minutes, <laughs> probably less time than David spent in Longos that, that, that one time. Honestly, I think it was like, I joke about like it being an hour or whatever, but it was certainly more than half an hour to find three things. So thank you for, for, if you found this episode a little dry, just imagine how long I felt spending this much time in a long goes. That's but hopefully you, that's... you didn't. Uh, hopefully the long <laughs> wait has paid off and this has been all you hope the long goes episode would be. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Um, we look forward to having you join us again for future episodes. Um, as always, uh, you know, every, every two weeks, hopefully on Friday, uh, we are posting episodes. If not, maybe Saturday. <laughs> but in any um, case, join us next time when we read out our cease and desist letter from the Loblaw company legal team. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> don't put that energy out there. It's going to happen. <laughs> For legal reasons, this is satire. For legal reasons, nothing we said in this whole episode was true. Thank you. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye.